you to open your Bibles tonight to the book of John chapter 15 and verse number 7. And we are going to talk about praying with effectiveness, praying effectively. How to do that. Most Christians, I think, I would hope, are praying somewhat. They're praying. I don't know how many people are getting a lot of answers and getting the success that they want. And of course, there are reasons why, and there are, there are very important keys of how to make that happen. And we find them in the Word of God. And so we're going to take a few Wednesdays and look at this subject. I don't know how long we may go, and uh, this probably won't be the most well-organized type of outlined uh, study that you might see on this subject. But we're going to walk through some things as the Holy Spirit leads us, and we're going to start where I believe He wants us to start tonight, and that's in the book of John chapter 15. In John chapter 15 and verse number 7, Jesus is speaking, and He says, If ye abide in Me, and My words abide in you. Notice two things going on. We abiding in him, his words abiding in us. He said, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So he's obviously talking about prayer fruit. He's equating answered prayer to the bearing of fruit in this regard. And so he says the Father is glorified when we bear much fruit. So he's glorified when our prayers are answered. And he says on in the verse, so shall ye be my disciples. Amen. So Father, tonight we ask you to open your precious word to us. Help us to see what we should see, to hear what we need to hear, to understand with your heart and understanding seeing it from your perspective. Grant to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, we pray. May the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. And Lord, I ask for utterance in the Holy Ghost that the word would be brought forth accurately, effectively, simply, and with anointing and power. In Jesus' name, take all the glory, all the honor, for you are worthy of it. In Jesus' name we ask, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's look again at verse number 7 particularly. Jesus said, if ye abide in me, well, we know that means that if we're born again, that would be uh, for us today as believers. Uh, and, we, and he says, and my words abide in you. I think it's interesting that he did not say, and my spirit abides in you. Now, we know that the Spirit of God does abide in us. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. We know that's important. But Jesus didn't refer to the Holy Spirit here. He said, my words. And you see, what that says to us is that you can be saved. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. You have spoken in tongues and maybe you worship in a very free way. You would consider yourself a Pentecostal. And that's all wonderful. But you can be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, speak with tongues and shout in church and still not have a very effective prayer life. You say, how do you know? Because I've been in church a long time. I've been guilty myself personally. And then also it's, uh, it's just true of a lot of folks 
It doesn't mean they aren't saved. It doesn't mean they don't love the Lord. It doesn't mean that uh, they don't have a good heart. It just means that perhaps they don't know what they need to know about prayer. I've been there. I've been there. And I'm still learning about prayer, by the way. I mean, I, I, every time I teach something like this, I'm learning and I'm growing myself. And so he doesn't say, if you're filled with the Spirit, then you'll bear much prayer fruit. No, he says, if my words abide in you. My words. Now, where would we find those? In the, in the Word, in your Bible. So if you're not familiar with your Bible, if it's not a book that you are often looking into, if you're not putting it into you, then you're probably not going to have a very effective prayer life. Prayer is not a spare tire. It's not something to use only in the case of an emergency. And, of course, we do know if there is an emergency, we, we want to know how to pray there too. But the point is it's not just for that. And I would go so far as to say that if you really effectively learn to pray and you build a good, strong prayer life that is consistent over time, that there will probably be fewer and fewer emergencies that you ever have to even pray about anyhow. Because you can pray yourself away from certain things. You can pray certain things away from you. Uh, you can pray yourself into things that you want to be in and good places and go in great places in the spiritual dimension. And so, again, looking at the verse one more time, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will. Notice he didn't say you'll ask what I will. And yet, when we think about prayer, so many wonderful people of God think about that in that term. Well, I don't know if it's God's will or not, and so I'm just going to pray, and if it's the will of the Lord, I guess it'll happen, and if it's not the will of the Lord, well, then evidently it's not going to happen, and if it doesn't happen, that must mean it's not God's will. How many of you know that's faulty thinking? That's not biblical thinking. Remember, he said, if my words abide in you. Well, if you study the word enough, you'll know that's not the, the attitude we take in prayer. You might say, well, there might be an area where I really don't know the will of God. Well, pray until you do. If you don't know the will of God, then you want to pray for the knowledge of the will of God. So then you'll know how to take the next step in prayer or the next action you need to take. But here's something that every believer needs to understand that's so important. It changed my life. I know it'll change yours. And maybe if you're, of course, if you already know it and you're practicing it, it is changing your life. And that's this, that God's word is his will. And so anything you find and you, you prove as of a truth of the word of God, you have proven and found the will of God. So that's why I never pray. Never, ever. I mean, in years and years and years, I never pray, Lord, please heal me or please heal so-and-so if it be thy will. Because I know what his will is. And that's not being presumptuous. That's not being arrogant. That's not being a know-it-all. That just means his words abide in me. 1 Peter 2.24 abides in me. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 abides in me. Matthew 8, 16 and 17 abides in me. And so when I come to a situation where either I or someone I'm praying for needs healing, I don't have to, I don't have to jump over that hurdle ever again. I've already gone over it. 
That's way in the rear view mirror for me. I've already proven this. I know what his will is. I can move on and pray in faith. And that's where faith begins, as we say a lot. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And so as we come to God in prayer, we basically are bringing back to him his word. That's one way you could look at prayer. It's returning the word of God to him. It is praying his will. Now, I know there are things that we do have to spend time before God to find out what his will is. I know that. You, you don't marry the first person you ever meet. You don't take maybe the first job that, that, that's out there. If there are multiple offers, you want to make sure that you're going to be in the right place. You want to marry the right person. You want to live in the right community. You want to buy the right car. You want to make your major purchases. I don't think, I don't think we have to pray and fast over whether to buy Kroger water or Dasani water. I don't think God is all too much interested in what uh, brand of bread you buy or what ketchup you have. I mean, he gave you good sense. So that's why you buy Heinz ketchup. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so I don't think any of that's really a problem for God. But there are things we need to, we need to find out his will. Lord, is it your will that I, that I go into the ministry and leave my job and, and go on the mission field? Lord, is it your will, uh, if you are a minister, is it your will that I would, would uh, you know, pastor this church? Or, Lord, you know, if you're a single person, is it your will that I would marry so-and-so? You know, and on and on we could go. Lord, should I invest in this? I have this opportunity that looks really good, but is this what I'm supposed to do? You know, there are, there are times when things look really good in the natural, but that doesn't mean that that's God's purpose for us. A lot of people say, well, that, you know, that they want, they'll just be led by circumstances. That's a good way to get in trouble. I'm not led by circumstances. I'm led by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And those two things agree. And so anytime I'm led by the Holy Ghost, I'm being led in line with the Word. And anytime I'm being led by the Word, I'm in line with the Spirit. And I know that I'm in, on good ground. And I can use my faith and my prayers will be answered. And so uh, I find the will of God primarily and firstly through the written Word of God. And so when I do that, I can ask what I will. That's what Jesus said here, isn't it? Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. You see, once you find out his will and his will becomes your will, then if I pray my will, it's also God's will. A lot of people are so concerned about being in the will of God. I just don't know if I'm in the will of God. I want to be in the will of God. Well, it's admirable that that's our desire, but it's not really that difficult. Do the word, follow the Holy Ghost, Feed on the Word, pray in the Holy Ghost, connect with the body of Christ in the earth, and I could almost guarantee you that 90% of the time you're going to be in the will of God, and that other 10%, the Lord will help you make sure you get it worked out, and even if I make a wrong turn, He allows you turns. Amen. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. And so, if you abide in Him, His words abide in you, you ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So based on the truth of this verse, I'll make a statement that may sound a little uh, far-fetched in a way unless you really understand what I've already said to you. So don't throw this away. But the truth is, 
At this point, knowing this truth, you have more to do with your prayers getting answered than God does. You see, God is constant. He's already said what he'll do. He's already said what his will is. And so therefore, my prayers getting answered has now more to do with what I do and the way I respond to God than anything that he's going to do. You see, God doesn't need to change. I do. He doesn't need to make these adjustments along the way. I do. These little course corrections. And let me say this. Sometimes it seems like a little thing to us. But God knows it's a big thing in the end. Let me use this example. Let's say you were taken off from, let's say you went down to Raleigh, uh, you know, to a large airport, and you got, a, you got on a plane to go to Los Angeles. Well, that's a pretty good, pretty good way. You're going all the way basically across the country. Do you know that if that um, trajectory of that plane, if that, that course of that plane, he could, if you're off one degree in Raleigh and you don't course correct, you're going to miss Los Angeles by miles. I mean, on a 360-degree compass, one degree over that length of, of geography will set you off course miles and the reason I bring that up is because sometimes God deals with us about course corrections that seem so little. A one degree correction. He may tell you, stop doing that. Maybe not forever, but maybe it's seasonal. Right now you need to stop doing that. Maybe you need to stop eating that particular food. Maybe you need to not eat it after a certain time of the day. Or maybe you need to uh, start doing this. And it may seem so little. I could go on and on, but you get the picture of what I'm talking about. These things sometimes seem so little that it's easy to, to just brush it off and say, ah, that's just an idea. That's just my head. I, I don't know that, that that's not all that important. I'll just, do it. I'll just do what I've always done. But you see, the Lord's looking down the road. He's looking way down the road. He has your best interest at heart. He, he knows what it's going to take to keep you healthy. He knows what it's going to take for you to be able to sleep at night and have the energy you need in the day to do what you're supposed to do. He knows those little adjustments that we need to make in our relationships. Those little things that we think, well, I've never done that before. She knows I love her. He knows I care. I don't have to say that. I don't have to really... You know, I don't have to be that sweet, do I? Yes. Yes, we do. Your tomorrow has already started with your today, in a sense of speaking. Where you're going to be and what you're going to have and what you're going to be able to do, has a, a tomorrow has a whole lot to do with what you're doing today. And so as we come to God in prayer and we come to God with his word, and we come to God with his will. We need to understand that the heart of the Father is that our prayers get answered. And that those answers to prayer become testimonies of the fruit of the goodness of God. Your kinfolks, your co-workers, the people who know you, they should see a blessed life. And even if they don't act like it at the moment... 
they should have a hunger and a desire to have what you have and to live like you live. If nobody's wondering how you're doing it, maybe you're not doing it right yet. Amen. People ought to be wondering, how could you be so blessed? They should want what you have. Amen. So prayer is one of those key things that we never get away from and that we always will grow in. Let me give you a few statements concerning prayer that I think will bless you. And I want you to think about these and meditate on these as we study this subject. Number one, prayer is a transaction. A transaction. That's action on both sides. A connection. A transaction between earth and heaven. Prayer is one of the most effective and powerful ways that the blessings of heaven and the power of heaven, the blessings of God, the power of God, however you want to say it, get manifested into the earth. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above. It doesn't say every good gift and every perfect gift is from Washington, D.C. Or Richmond, Virginia. Or the United Nations. Or any other world power or empire. No, it says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. So what we need to understand is that faith and prayer gives us the ability, those two things give us the ability to take those good and perfect gifts that are above and have them manifested in the earth. Manifested in the earth. And that is prayer fruit that brings glory to God, according to Jesus' teaching here in John 15, 7. Let me give you the second statement about prayer I want to share with you, and that's this. Prayer is communication and fellowship. With God, our Heavenly Father. That's what prayer really is. It's, it's communication and fellowship. Now there are people that we know, but we have little communication with. There are people that we know and we have little to no fellowship with. We know who they are. We know perhaps a few things about them. But we don't know them well. We can't anticipate much about them because we don't know them closely. You never want to be in that place with God. But yet you hear people talking all the time and you can tell that is where many people are. Because they don't know what God's going to do. And they'll even make that statement. And they think that's a statement of piety and humility. Well, you never know what God will do. Who said? Who said that? That's not what Jesus taught us. That's not what Paul taught us. That's not what the Apostle Peter taught or James or John or any other New Testament writer. They didn't teach us that. They worked hard to bring to us a message to tell us what God is willing to do and what God has already done. And based on what he's done and what he's willing to do, what you and I can have now. And so we need to, th- we need to have a different attitude. And so the, p- the thing about it is when somebody says that, they're basically saying, I have not communicated with God enough and I have not had enough fellowship with God to even know what he thinks about this. I'd be embarrassed to say that. But you see, my mind is renewed to these kinds of truths. And it'll change your life. It'll change your lifestyle. It'll change your, 
your, uh, your expectations. It will change the things you anticipate. It will change the way you prepare yourself for the future because you cannot believe God and have a defeated attitude. You cannot be a Bible believer and be depressed. Somebody said, well, you know, I know people who are depressed and, and they believe the Bible. Well, they may believe the Bible in a general sense that it is God's word and that it is true. But when I say believe the Bible, I mean you know what it says and you believe what it says. Sure, we believe the Bible is the word of God. Sure, we believe it's true. Sure, we believe it's eternal. But do you believe Mark eleven twenty three 23, and 24? And if you say, I don't know what that is, well, then you probably don't really believe it that much because you don't even know what it is. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm trying to stir you in your thinking because this is vital to the blessing of God. One of the great frustrations that people have with Pentecost charismatic, word of faith, those kinds, all, all those areas, all the above, one of the greatest frustrations people have is, is that they hear about the power of God, the blessing of God, the healings of God, the, all of the prosperity of God, all of the peace of God, the greatness and goodness of God, but they're not experiencing it in their own lives so many times. And so they say, well, if this is true, why, do, why don't I have it? Well, the point is, it's all available. You have to know how to reach into the glory world and bring those good and perfect gifts into this realm. So you've got to know something about the Word. This isn't magic. The Bible isn't a, a, a genie. Inside here you rub your Bible and something comes out and grants you three wishes. All oh, that's foolishness. Fairy tales. The stuff of movies and fiction. The reality is God said it, it's so, if I choose to believe it, and I choose to speak it, and I choose to do it, then I'm going to have what it says. And the only way that's going to really happen is if I am in communication and fellowship with God. So prayer is not just a request list. Prayer is not just a list of petitions. It's not just something we go through and check off the boxes and then we're done and, you know, we want to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, uh, that our prayer time and our cup of coffee uh, coincides. We take the last drink of coffee. Our prayer is over. Now let's go do our day. That's not really the way to do this. The way to do this is to be in constant fellowship with God, constantly aware of His presence. You, you're not going to be on your knees all the time. You're not going to have your eyes closed all the time. You're not going to always talk in King James English. But you can constantly communicate with God. When you go about your business of the day, whether you're a, a housewife or whether you're a business person or whether you're you know, a school teacher, whether you, no matter what your occupation is or what you do in life you know, as far as your, the work of your hands and, and all of that, when you go about all of that, you're going about that with God on your mind. You are doing what you do in communication with God. You know, uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've, I've needed to find something. And... Um, 
I'm not the most organized person in the world, so I, I cannot always find things in the same spot <laughs> because I don't always put them in the same spot when I'm done. And I can't tell you how many times I've, I've just said to the Lord, Holy Ghost, you know where that is. And just in a little while, you see it. Thank the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. You're constantly leaning on him. You're constantly communicating. And, you know, that's not a burden to God. God loves that. God loves that. Those of you who have, uh, particularly I would say grandchildren, those who are grandparents, you know what a blessing it is when a little grandkid, just a little toddler, a little young child, whenever they say their cute little things and they're dependent upon you and they get up at the table and they're waiting on you to give them something good that grandparents do too much of the time, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Maybe we should stop that, but anyway. Um, you love that, don't you? You love that communion, that fellowship. God is a perfect father. He loves the fellowship. Just hanging out with God. Amen. Amen. You know, this morning, before it was a good and daylight, I was up and dancing before the Lord. I know it wasn't pretty. You know, I can't dance. But he loved it. There's something about this that becomes a way of life that brings such blessing into your life in so many different ways. So prayer is communication and fellowship with God, our Heavenly Father. Number three, the third thing about prayer. Prayer is taking our place as the children of God and the ambassadors of God on the earth as his representatives. Prayer is taking our place. It's one of the ways that we we act on behalf of God. God in his sovereignty. How many of you know God is a sovereign God? I mean, like people have said before, you know, he thinks he's God. He really does. He doesn't have an identity issue at all. He knows he's God. He knows his power. He knows his infinite goodness and love. And in that sovereignty that is God's and God alone, he determined, he made a decision, a sovereign decision, that concerning the things of the earth, he would involve man in what he does. And that's why when you read the Bible, you find all of those situations where nothing changed until somebody prayed somebody believed somebody did something that triggered if you will the power of God into action why didn't God just do it anyway it's obviously was his will because it, it eventually happened why didn't he just do it because that's not how God chose in his sovereignty that's not how he chose to operate he chose to involve humans in the execution of his will, his plans, and his purposes in the earth. He needed a virgin to bear his son. He needed an Elijah to prophesy to Ahab and Jezebel. He needed an Isaiah seven centuries before Jesus to declare the death and crucifixion of Jesus in our place and to declare that surely he's born 
our sicknesses and our griefs and carried our pains and our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Such a statement of fact, you would think that Isaiah was talking about something that happened the week before. In reality, he was prophesying and speaking about something that would happen 700 years later. But in the mind of God, his word is that sure. So you see, we come back to John 15, 7. If my words abide in you. See, when the words of God abide in you, then the eternal will of God is is on the inside of you and abiding in you. And so we take our place as children of God and representatives of God and ambassadors for Christ on the earth through prayer. The place of prayer is the place of power for a believer. Then number four, prayer is accessing our covenant and redemptive rights. Now, I wish, just like all of you probably do, we're all the same. Uh, you know, I just wish it just all happened and you know, I didn't have to do anything. Wouldn't it be nice to just sit home in the recliner? You know, I had to go through great uh, trouble today to get a recliner right in my house. The movers brought it in and they put it in sideways and it didn't work right. And when you reclined, one side of you started going down. And how many of you know that if you're going to recline, you want to do it right? How can you take a nap if you're sideways? you gotta, you got to do this right. <laughs> and so, so if you're going to access good, you know, it, it would have been nice if that would have just happened, but I had to do something. And you know, the fact is, that's true about all kinds of things. And I, I, I don't want to be... Uh, the bear of bad news. It's not bad news, but I don't want to disappoint you. But, but if you access your covenant rights, if you access your redemptive rights, you're going to have to learn to pray and pray effectively. You're going to have to learn to pray scripturally. If you want to access your covenant rights and redemptive rights, prayer is a key for that access. And then another statement I want to give to you before we go tonight. Prayer is making out the check. That God makes good. Prayer is making out the check that God guarantees. It's as if he has already signed his name on the signature line. And has told you and me that there are infinite, too much to count resources in that account. And all you have to do is fill in the top part of the check. That's what prayer is about. It's about filling in the check that God stands behind to make good. Most of us are asking too little. Most of us are not asking for enough and we're not asking often enough. You'll never Ask too big for God. I believe, now this is my personal thinking, you don't have to agree with me if you don't want to, of course. But I think it's an insult to God 
to not pray big, to not believe big. Because God is big. Do you know that whenever it was back in the past that God saw darkness on the face of the deep and all of the condition that the, the world was, was there in and all the things that, were, that had happened and we don't know the whole thing, all of that. But do you know that when God stepped out there and said, Light be those two uh, words that we have in the Hebrew language, light be. In English we translate it, let there be light. But it's actually just, just two words, light be. When he said that, light began to go in every direction, 360 degrees. And the speed of light, we know at its slowest, is 186,000 miles per second. The universe has been expanding at that speed in all directions and has never stopped. I believe that he's able to help you make a car payment. I believe he's able to help you pay it off. I believe he's a God of mortgage cancellation, supernatural debt cancellation. I believe he's the God of strength and health, that regardless of what the numbers say from the birth certificate, that you can still walk, you can still do what you need to do, you can still have strength and health until the day you leave this earth. Just read about the patriarchs, how they went to heaven, how they went home. You know, we're not going to live here forever. We know that. And I found out as you get older that you can realize and see that there'll come a point in time when you will be satisfied. There'll come a point where you won't want to stay longer. You know, you just want to be a fossil for so long. And you, you, you know, as you get older, more and more people are in heaven. More and more people have already went on. And, um, you know, life's a hassle in a lot of ways and a lot of stuff to keep up with. And there, there comes a point in time when believers will be satisfied with long life. And the main thing, the main thing is that you've finished your course. And you've done what you're supposed to do. And so, therefore, you, you get to the place where you're ready to go. And, and you know, when, when that happens... We read in the Bible when this happened for the patriarchs and some of their men and women of God, they, they didn't go with, with torment. They didn't go in agony. You remember how Jacob left? You know, Jacob wasn't the most sterling of characters. You know, Jacob means supplanter. God changed his name to Israel, prince with God. But he started out as, a, as kind of a shyster, Remember? Remember the deception for, for getting the birthright and the blessing? And remember then how he then went down to his uncle Laban's place and, and he caught, and, and you know, this young lady, this beautiful lady named Rachel caught his eye and he thought, I, you know, I want to marry her. That's, that's my wife. And remember what his uncle Laban did to him? He woke up the next morning, it wasn't Rachel at all. It was Leah. So, you know, he, was, he reaped what he sowed. He had some tough situations, but when he got ready to go, he was ready, and he, got, he had things fixed. And you can go back in the book of Genesis, and you can read the story. He called every one of his 12 sons into him, and Joseph's two sons in addition. And he prophesied and spoke over all of them. And the Bible says he gathered his feet up into his bed, and he went on.
Now, I'm sure that the sons were sad, the grandsons were sad. I'm sure it was a time for mourning in Israel. But what a way to go. And I think most of us would be honest that we would like to think that if we did leave, somebody would at least be sad. <laughs> and not just sad because they got stuck with a funeral bill, but I mean they're sad because you left. Amen. But the fact is, we can go with victory. We can go with victory. So all of these things are are in the, the realm of possibility to believe God for. And I know that we live in a, in a troubled world. I mean, I'm 65 years old. This is the craziest time I've ever seen. I mean, the world has gone crazy. And I could stand up here and go into all kinds of stuff that... You'd probably agree with me, and we could all say that so, but it'd be a waste of time to talk a bunch of foolishness and junk. You know, most of what you see on the news, you know, nowadays you don't even know if it's, even if the news is true. You know, you just, you just have to trust God. And the point I'm making is here, is that in spite of all this mess, this word is still secure. It still stands. It's still true. And so I'm, I'm planning... You, you do what you want to do. I hope you'll join me. But I'm planning to have a good life until I'm gone. No matter who's in the White House, no matter who's in Congress, no matter who's in the State House, no matter, no matter who's doing what, no matter what inflation rates are, interest rates are, no matter what's going on in the stock market, uh, no matter how expensive anything is or, or cheap it is, no matter what, I'm going to live the good life that God intended for me to live. Amen. Sure, I'd rather pay $3 a gallon as $5 a gallon for gasoline. Sure, you know, I'd rather be able to, to, to uh, you know, get things at a discount and all that. But, but the point is, no matter what happens in this world, God will help you get where you need to go if you'll believe him. Amen. Griping and complaining isn't going to help. Amen. So... Prayer is one of those things that we need to make a part of our life in such a powerful way that it just becomes a part of who we are. I want to close by saying this, and guys, you all can come on if you will. Um, and I've got much more uh, that we'll get into hopefully next week, Lord willing. But uh, I want to make this statement as we go. All power and all knowledge that we need all power, all the power and all the knowledge that we need and desire is available through the channel of prayer. It's available through the channel of prayer. Sometimes we just haven't prayed enough. Sometimes we haven't prayed long enough. Now, I don't mean to imply that God's holding out until you have a stopwatch and it clicks over to a certain amount of time and then God's, all right, I guess we'll give it to him. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not the way it operates. But I am talking about that you, are, you, get, you pray enough to get into the Spirit. You pray enough to get into the Spirit. If you don't know what that means, if that seems like a foreign language to you, then 
by all means, don't miss these next few services because we, we want to get there. We, you know, as we grow even in prayer, you can get things done even more quickly. You can learn to get into the spiritual dimension even quicker. And there's some great helps. One of the great helps is, is what the Old Testament prophets called a minstrel. Music. The right kind of atmosphere. So that you can get into the presence of God. Yesterday in our prayer school time, uh, um, Brother Sister Cooper were gone out of town. And uh, so I was doing prayer school. So Nick was with me. And so he began to play and we began to pray. And that's a really great combination. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of things that, that we can learn about this. And uh, one of the things we talked a little bit about yesterday, and we're going to get into some here on Wednesday night, is prayer assignments. Assignments in prayer. And there's, there's a great, great vast opportunities that come uh, for people that are willing to take up a God assignment. And some of those assignments are not necessarily forever. Some of them are temporary. Some of them are for season. That you have a particular leading. We sometimes call it a burden. We mean that in a good way. A burden of prayer. God's assignments of prayer. The will of God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but have you ever been on one of those assignments? Have you ever been led of the Lord to pray? Maybe for days or weeks or even months you might have been in a certain vein. And it's not that you didn't pray about other things, but there's just always something you kept coming back to. It was just like your spirit always was going in that direction. It was a, God's, it was a godly prayer assignment. You might say, well, surely God's got all kinds of people who are doing all that. I don't need to do that. No, you might be shocked at how few people are doing God's assignments. Second Chronicles 16.9 says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. If God's having to look for people to bless, I could just about imagine that he must be looking for people that will pray. As a matter of fact, we have scriptural basis for that concept, but we don't have time to go into it tonight. So don't miss the upcoming services. And let me tell you what to do to practically put uh, into practice what we're teaching you this th tonight and in this series is just begin to spend some extra time waiting on God. Pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in other tongues, pray with your understanding, spend some time just waiting quietly in His presence, cultivate. Uh, an atmosphere of prayer in your life till you begin to hear from God. And he'll talk to you. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. And he is so smart that he can help you avoid a lot of problems. He can cause you to know the best way, the quickest way, the, the least expensive way to get good things done in your life. This is not pie in the sky. This is very practical if we will do it. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you tonight for this word. We thank you for prayer. We thank you for the great privilege to communicate with heaven, to communicate with you, Father. We thank you for our visits, that we're able to communicate back and forth. We talk, but you also talk. And sometimes, Lord, the way we hear your voice is just through the written word. And other times the Holy Spirit just quietly and gently speaks into our spirit. And some few times there's an urgency. The Spirit of the Lord would be uh, very urgent upon us about some issue. We want to be sensitive, Lord, in all these things.
We want to learn and we want to grow. We want to be a doer of the word. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. You might be here tonight. You might be watching online. And you're not right with God. I'm not interested in hearing the sordid tales and stories of, of a life gone bad. Because that's not really my business. But I can tell you that if you'll bring all that mess to Jesus, he'll fix it. If you'll ask him to forgive you, he will. If you ask him to cleanse you, he will. If you submit and surrender yourself to Jesus and allow him to be your Lord, if you will confess Jesus as your Lord, he will come into your life and make you a new creature. And he will order the, the rest of your life, which, by the way, can be, and God wants it to be, the best of your life. In Jesus' name. Thank you.